once again to Blah Blah Comics 2.0. I'm Derek. I'm Colby. And we talk comics sometimes. And talking comics isn't really going to be something we're doing a lot today. There's a lot of multimedia stuff we want to get into. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, I'd like to say thank you for coming back. We've had a, a bit of a delay. Uh, we did not get recorded last week, and then this one's a couple of days late. That's on me. Uh, I'm going to be completely straight with all of y'all. I have been in tremendous physical pain. I have no idea why. Uh, I've had a lot of uh, back issues these last couple of days, so I abandoned uh, Colby on our recording time last night. But uh, we're making up for it today, and then also, uh, even though I will be in Dallas this weekend with uh, the Dallas Fan Expo, come out and see me if you so uh, desire. Um, I'll be selling comics. But uh, we will have a, uh, a special respawn coming uh, out this weekend. Hell yeah, and I will not be at Fan Expo. I, re- I literally looked at emails yesterday of uh, from like months ago that I was supposed to reapply for media accreditation. So, uh, oh, man. I, and also, honestly, like 90% of the people I cared about being there have all dropped out and moved on. So I am, uh, I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm hoping to have a good turnout. A lot of people that will be there. There's still a lot of great talent going to be there, including yourself. Oh, thank you. Uh, but yeah, it's Fan Expo. I think it'll be a good year for it. I really do because I'm hoping the crowds won't be as crazy as past years. Indeed. We'll have to see. That's one of those shows that, uh, you know. Can go 50-50. My first year, I was super tainted by it because the first year I went was horrible. But I heard the you know the year after and the year after that were both better. So yeah, I've, I've heard really nothing but good things past the year that unfortunately you and I went and it was just incredibly poorly run. We talked about it on the show before. Yeah, we won't uh, we won't get back into that uh, just absolute horribleness. But uh, that's uh man. There's not a really good segue from that because no. there's not a lot of. Uh, horribleness. There's actually quite a lot of goodness. Uh, we are weeks late on this, but I still feel like uh, you and I have not really had a chance to discuss, even with each other, the uh, Spider-Man trailer, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer that hit. Um, I was wondering what your opinion was on it, sir. So, Spider-Man trailer. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I really liked it. It is kind of unfortunate that we had the first like giant leak in a while from Marvel. Where, oh, yeah. where we, uh, so knowing what was going to happen, the trailer did kind of spoil a little bit. And also the fact that we've known Doc Ock is going to be in the movie for months and months and months now. Yeah, well, Alfred Molina didn't give, give any level of fucks. And I kind of, I kind of love him for that. So they were able to make that both a reveal and not a reveal. I will say, uh, when I showed the trailer to my wife, she, uh, she was perfectly, you know, excited with the Doc Ock arms and kind of glanced at me because she knows how much I love Doc Ock as a character. Uh. And I pointed at the screen, like, look back, look back. And then when he said, uh, hello, Peter, she lost her shit. I she will was say, like, what? She had no idea it was actually Alfred Molina. So. Oh yeah, it it's it, that moment's great. It's, yes, it's great. I will say, I know a lot of people point out, and I have a lot of friends now that work in different CG fields and stuff. And a hundred percent, there are like two scenes where you can clearly tell that they erase characters from the scene. Oh yeah. Uh, so I, I'm I, yeah, I'm betting tons and tons of money on pretty much Toby and Andrew because there's uh, one shot in the film where it's Spider-Man on the car where he's changing the Iron Spider and there's a lot of blank space to his left and right that clearly something's going on there. See, I didn't even notice that. I just, um, you, you don't even have to say CG. The, um, the 
the, the bit where the um, there's a cop interrogating Peter, and then someone in white shirt sleeves slams down some papers, and we very clearly don't see their head in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, uh, really tells me, or at least gives me a strong suspicion that uh, Matt Murdock is going to be Peter's lawyer, and that mm-hmm. Matt Murdock it might be Charlie Cox, considering Charlie Cox has been pretty coy about whether or not he's actually going to be in this movie. Yeah, and it keeps popping up. Mm-hmm. It keeps very, it keeps popping up like every time we turn around. So I wouldn't be shocked. I'm a, I am interested in a lot of ways with this being, for, as of right now, the last on contract for Spidey films in the MCU proper. Right. I'm like, I'm really, really curious on how it's going to be. We're back in that position where a couple, uh, about a year or two ago, whenever it all really kicked off, and I don't. That's the thing with it right now is it's you can tell Marvel is making it very like Spider-Man intrinsically tied to so many different MCU characters, but at the same time with this film in particular, you can tell Sony has a lot more say. The fact that they're popping in a shit ton of Sony-owned property, right? Well, we we know for sure there's going to be some some version of Norman Osborn because it was pretty yeah. clear you had um, oh. Willem Dafoe's Goblin Laugh. Yeah. Um, again, very clearly Alpha Molina. My my big theory is that even though they, they're, you know, they pretty, I mean, it's, I would be more surprised if Garfield and Maguire are not in the film, but I still think they're going to hit us with um, a bigger surprise because if you noticed, we've only seen five members of the Sinister Six. Mm-hmm. We saw the lightning, we saw the sand, we saw the lizard, we saw the, pumpkin bomb and we absolutely saw doc ock yeah um so i mean it's the obvious candidate is of course the vulture but i really really think they're gonna hit us with either venom or morbius for the the sixth member it would be it would be interesting we uh yeah man morbius that's another film that like i have no clue when that's supposed to come out now yeah i don't think sony does either yeah, I don't know. It's they're in a weird place. We have you have that. You have uh, the you know Venom's had. I've been like like two trailers come out now. Uh, we've had we've had a couple of different ones, and I am curious because at this point you have like Venom is clearly going much more for the like, hey, we're just doing dumb action comedy for this for these films, which is I like first one. I'll probably like this one. I, I'll, I will say the second trailer was so much better than the first one. True. The jokes landed better. You got a, a better idea of what the theme of the film is. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid Woody Harrelson's in a completely different movie. Um, yeah. Which could, which could be entertaining, or it could be you just unwatchable. It's a it's a a question. Yeah. For sure. It'll be. I think it'll be fun, but I who know? And like you said. If it's going to be connected, how, what, when. The fact that they're going through the multiverse, that, that alone means that what, if Sony wants to do their own thing, it, the door is going to be open. Right. Uh, and it, it does seem like No Way Home definitely kind of implies there's a possibility that uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man may no longer be in the MCU at the end of this film. Yeah, and I... Yeah, I, it really could be. And again, with the Sony Marvel stuff, there's no... There's no, te- there's literally no telling because that is. You also have now that if, now that you have Kevin Feige out at some of the higher ups in Disney and the Disney power changes going on. There's mm-hmm. no way of telling if this particular branch of relationships will be able to come out 
on a positive right. note again because they've already had such a public fighting a few years ago that now to do it again but with powers that no longer care about the creative side at all. Yeah. I I don't know. And uh, I'm excited for it. I think it'll be good. Uh, my only disappointment I still have is that I feel like we never got an MCU Spider film where it was just, just Spider-Man. Yeah. And that's my one complaint with the MCU films. I love... Honestly, you know, as a trilogy, it's probably going to end up being the best cohesive trilogy of the th- of the three Spideys. But it is just weird to think that we never got to see just like Spider Man fighting like Electro without any other superheroes involved or some shit like that. Right? Yeah. The the, the, the fact that uh, the MCU Spider Man has <laughs> replaced Uncle Ben with Tony Stark is definitely it's a choice. What it's you- not necessarily a bad choice, but it yeah. is. It, it it makes this it makes Spider Man a different character, and it makes it that makes all of his relationships uh, different. Mm-hmm. Um, now I will say just, and I, I don't want to say in defense of Sony, but I did want to at least to you know maybe uh, knock a little dirt off of Kevin Feige's shoulders. Oh, yeah. uh, I know you haven't seen it, but uh, Shang Chi is great. I've heard it this. is super fun. Um, I, the one thing I'll say about it because I really don't want to give away any spoilers, but honestly, like. 80% of everything you've seen in all the trailers is roughly the first 20 minutes of the movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, I I want to see it, and I, I I will eventually. I think it has a ton of potential. I'm I'm curious. We talked about last podcast. It's done. It's doing well, box office-wise, too, but it's doing that, like, COVID well, which mm-hmm. I have no credit card. It's doing really, really COVID well, as yeah. opposed to um, a lot of other COVID wells, which uh, yeah. had a tremendous drop-off. Like, Black Widow started out doing COVID well, then kind of fell off. Fast 9 did COVID well, and then, then ended up falling pretty yeah. quickly. Shang-Chi is uh, actually doing, like, it's well, maintaining think, surprisingly well. And this is, a, I think, part of that we have to attribute. Part of it is this is the first one since uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, where the fan critic reaction are both pretty positive. Mm-hmm. And it's, so that's going to help a lot. And doesn't have any competition right now, really, with too much coming I'll out. Say, Candyman was great. I, I really oh, fucking enjoyed yeah. Candyman, but they are entirely mm-hmm. different audiences. Yeah, I mean, the fact, yeah, you had Candyman, Shang-Chi, Malignant, and some other ones come out around the same time. It's like, yeah, it, yeah, it was by far. One other major one, and it's, I can't even remember what it is. Yeah, so I, I understand. I will definitely see Shang-Chi. I'm, I am excited to see that one. Honestly, uh, speaking while we're on the Marvel channel, I'm excited to see Hawkeye now. That trailer did win me over quite a bit. That trailer was great. It felt weird. If a friend of mine uh, at work pointed out, it feels very Shane Black. Yeah. Not just because it's set at Christmas. It just the whole tone feels very Shane Black action comedy mm-hmm. in a way that uh, yeah, I, I was really deeply impressed by. It. And I, I get it. Jeremy Renner's been canceled or whatever, whatever term you want to use. He uh, he he definitely has his detractors. I'm still a Jeremy Renner fan. I can't help it. I, I think he's he's fun and a really solid actor and i'm really looking forward to seeing him pass the torch to another one of my favorite actors Haley seinfeld so that 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 trailer was everything i wanted it to be for sure yeah and he's this is a sad thing right in our current state he's one of the he's one of the ones that got canceled in the early ways where i don't entirely remember why and i don't there's there's a bunch of dumb stuff there was the jeremy renner app which kind of crapped the bed and ended up being just a, um, a, a really bad thing for people who sign up for it. I don't know if it was like some kind of phishing scheme or what. I never really heard about it. His ex-wife has, has said some some things against him mm. that he was violent and abusive, but yeah. 
I, I, I do not want to be a not all man kind of guy, but I don't know if that's ever been corroborated beyond just yeah. she said things, people got mad at him. Um, and then, I don't know, just a, his, his star as an actor faded rather quickly. Yeah. And again, I'm not entirely sure why. Well, um, I think part of it is also so the same problem with Black Widow, where if Black Widow and this project had come out a few years ago, I think it would have propelled him into or, or a new... Or even just on time. Yeah, true. On this one, on time. That's true. Uh, because, honestly, I've said before with Black Widow especially, and Hawkeye has that same degree, there there was a point in time where if you would have put out their solo projects and had a, you know, at the right time, they would have got propelled to this huge level, this great level. And, it, like, this trailer is really cool because kind of reverse Spider-Man stuff. This is the first Marvel show in a while that felt completely beholden to this character and his world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there wasn't, there wasn't, you know, some random mention of, oh, well, when you were off in space fighting this, it was just they try to kind of very Shane Black kind of ground it back into the reality of this is a dude shoots arrows that he's really you know he's a fighter he turns to this horrible killer for a while and this killer's that someone new's taking up this mantle and he finds out who it is. Yeah. And again, that's kind of, and especially after all of the current shows, it still kind of has that possibility that it might fall into just, you know, in-game PTSD at some point. Uh, but if any character had a reason to deal with it a ton, it's one that was presented, I think, the best in the movies, because that was kind of his whole arc of, he lost his family during that, he lost this, and he's trying to make up for time. I think it's, the premise is cool, the Christmas timing, I think, can be interesting, the writing seems fun. The action looks fun. Yeah, I'm. I feel is, like I'm we're 20 some odd films into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, uh, well, I guess Iron Man 3 was also technically set at Christmas, but it was yeah. California Christmas. So it, it, it didn't really have the tropes as much as it just did have a, a time setting. Yeah. But I feel like none of, none of the Marvel movies have really set themselves in a, in a season like that. Yeah. That's, that's true. I haven't seen a ton of. I'm trying to think of any, like holiday ones. I mean, Iron Man 3 had, you know, the, the giant bunny rabbit present and there was snow on the ground in Tennessee or wherever he landed to meet Iron Kid. But, I mean, I don't think there was really so much as even really a Christmas tree or there weren't any presents or carolers. There was, I mean, other than it being a Shane Black movie and therefore contractually set at Christmas, there really wasn't a lot of Christmas in that film, whereas yeah. there's Christmas all over this trailer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 so much of the whole tagline is what? Uh, what is the tagline? Every the best gifts come with a bow, or yeah, something like something that. Like that. Uh, yeah, Which no, isn't I, a great tagline. Yeah, it's all very much like that Shane Black type of humor and stuff. I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I should probably look up more. I don't know if he's got any involvement whatsoever. But I would be surprised because I feel like Iron Man three kind of ended up burning him. Fair. Because that that was that was back when you know the studios was taking a much I mean that was what led into Age of Ultron being or just after Age of Ultron yeah. uh, no it was before it was it was the yeah. movie after Avengers so um, yeah, yeah so yeah. Disney was ramping up and it's okay we've got we got to keep our finger in this pie or else it's not going to work which culminated in Age of Ultron being kind of a mess and Kevin Feige being like cut me some slacker I'm out and they did so yeah. uh, I doubt 
I doubt Shane Black is back, but whoever is making this definitely wants to catch that Shane Black vibe, and I am here for it. Now, I'm excited because I also think it's very smart because, to be honest, the more we see of Eternals, the more I still have no clue how that's going to be received. Same. I was going to say, I really liked the second trailer, uh, but I appear to be in the minority of that, and people that I talk to, at least, like, the the more... um, the, the, the casuals, yeah. I guess, is, is the least insulting way I can think of to say it. But, yeah, I'm standing here looking at my uh, Eternals omnibus on my <laughs> shelf and my deep and abiding love of Jack Kirby, Salby Simo, Walter Simonson, and Peter McGillis, and saying, no, no, this second trailer was excellent. It really lays out the, the plot and, and ideas and uh, really makes me curious for the movie. And, again... Among, amongst my more casual know the Marvel characters because of the MCU friends, they're yeah. like, yeah, still not, still not down for it. So yeah, it could, it could surprise us. Yeah. It might end up doing very well in China. Um, I hope the Marvel brand name imagines manages to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy this bitch. Yeah. But I also will not be surprised. I'll be disappointed, but I won't be surprised if if the Eternals does not flip all those switches. What I'm hoping is the fact that Thanos is technically of the Eternals, uh, the, the Titan side of the Eternals, yeah. get, disseminates enough into the public consciousness that people will go to it thinking, oh, there may be some kind of Thanos origin story in this. Yeah, I'm... I hope there's something. They they definitely need some kind of hook to ground it back to the other films enough. Because my only the only thing I hate, and you can tell this is where there's a power divide. This seems like the first Marvel movie ever that is promoting more the star power than the actual movie or characters. Yeah, this it's, this is definitely one saying, "Holy shit, we got Angelina Jolie." Holy shit, look, it's Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah. Holy shit, it's those two guys from Game of Thrones you like, but we're not going to put them in the same scene, so you don't actually think, "Oh yeah, Game of Thrones." Whoa, that sucked. Yeah. So oh I don't... shit, look at the, look at this Korean actor that we got who's really super big in Korea and is destined to make a big break over here in the states. Oh, yeah. If everybody would just sit down and watch Train to Busan, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're not wrong. It's, it's definitely saying, like, look at our star power in a way that uh, Marvel movies traditionally don't unless they're like, hey, look, Tom Hiddleston is back as yeah. Loki. You guys love Tom Hiddleston, right? Yeah, that, see, that's true. I don't know. Um, it's the one I'm – because Shang-Chi, like, again, I was worried about Shang-Chi because it was, again, also very unknown. But I think a lot of trailers did a lot to win people over. And at the end of the day, it's, they sold it smartly. They sold it more like a – mystical kung fu movie than anything else and that you know there's people that love that and that's awesome and people who wanted to see that in their marvel universe yeah and also i gotta say you know similu similu has a a small but dedicated fan base Mm. people who people who love kim's convenience really like similu and i say that because my wife's a big kim's convenience fan See, and that's one of the shows that I, I'll be honest, I have the same thing. I know a lot of people that love it. I tried to get into it. I really, I, that kind of humor just, I guess, doesn't work on me that well. I watched an episode with her, and it was it was charming. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not something I would go out and binge, but yeah. the fact that she watched an episode while I was in the room, and I watched it, and I didn't hate it, and I thought Sammy Lou was uh, incredibly charming, and uh yeah, it uh, it didn't. I didn't fall in love with it, but uh, yeah. I definitely, I, I can see the appeal. Yeah, I guess I'm in a very similar boat on that one. 
yeah, so uh, we also... Uh, while we're, oh, actually, have you seen the, a lot of the Halloween Kills reviews that come out? I have not seen that. I've, I saw one guy whose opinion I usually trust a lot... Uh, did not like it at all, but he also did not like Halloween, uh, and I, I have a soft spot for for the yeah. the 2018 Halloween. I didn't love it. We we I think our uh, if you want to go back a couple of years, I feel like our pretty thorough review of yeah tw- Halloween 2018 still holds up for my personal opinions. Yeah, I think we've I think if sadly I think we both kind of got a little more sour, not in a bad way. Like, again, I still like it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say it's. I still like it. I still think it's better than a lot of other Halloween films that I also love. But uh, so this, it's getting decent reviews. The problem is, I, this is why I kind of hate about the current way people, the current instant gratification that a lot of people want with their, especially storytelling. Because we all know it's a trait. We all know it's the middle of the middle of a trilogy. They made that abundantly clear. It's getting a lot of like what I imagine Empire Strikes Back had, a pro- had problems with. Where the biggest complaint I'm hearing are all, not to give spoilers or anything, but it's all coming from stuff that has to do with the late game and how it, I guess it has like a semi-cliffhanger, which again, it's a, in the middle of a trilogy, I, I kind of expected something. Right. Uh, and that's, a lot of people are, are, are like, you know, going super negative because of that, and to me, anyone knocking points off that is, I get it, but at the same time, much like Empire Strikes Back at the time was frustrating, I think that dates it a shit ton to this specific period in time. Mm-hmm. Also, I remember I remember some of the incredibly negative reviews for Matrix Reloaded, and yeah. yes, they, Matrix Reloaded, oh my god, Matrix Reloaded has its issues. I'm also going to come out and say Matrix Reloaded is my favorite of the Matrix films. Mm. I know, I'm incredibly weird. But, you know, that that was one of the complaints. It's yeah. like y'all knew, y'all knew that they are already shooting the third one. Yep. Same with Back to the Future Part Two. The, yeah. This is not. Yeah, exactly. A reasonable I believe, complaint at this point. I I don't know if they shot kills again back to back or not. They may have. I can't remember. That sounds like something that might have happened. Right. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's getting pretty decent to good reviews, and uh, I'm excited that's for exciting. it. But I'm it, that's the biggest negative I'm seeing. And again, it's like yeah, it's the middle of a trilogy. I don't. That's not going to kill me right now. Well, the other thing I've heard is that they're actually going to release it on Peacock as yes. well as in the theater, yes. which fascinates me because now <laughs> I'm kind of thinking maybe I can just you know get a free week of Peacock and yep. go ahead and watch it and. Uh, because again, liked Halloween, didn't love it. Very on the fence about this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I still, I'm definitely going to see it. And we're definitely going to talk about oh, it. Yeah. Um, one of the trailers I forgot to mention in our, in our um, off mic that I did want to talk about a little bit: uh, the Matrix uh, Resurrections yeah. trailer. So I love, I adore the Matrix films, and I love mm-hmm. the Wachowskis and most of what they've done. You're uh, one of the biggest Wachowski fans I know. Ah, I'll take that. Yeah, no, I, I love the Wachowskis. They, they've got that. My running theme with directors and writers, I love it. Even when they release bad shit, is people who will take a chance to just be dedicated to it. Like Rob Rodriguez, the Wachowskis, 
people like that. That's why I, that's why I would name John Carpenter my favorite mm-hmm. director yeah. because even John Carpenter's bad films, they're distinctly John Carpenter films. Yeah. And you're right. It's like he's trying. I'm. I don't. I don't like In the Mouth of Madness the way a lot of people do, but I can still watch it and be like, God, he was trying so hard. Yeah. With a very small budget and special effects, not ready for what he wanted to do with that movie. Exactly. And uh, so that's what I'm most interested in seeing this one. The sad thing, I wish both Wachowskis were involved instead of just Lana because mm-hmm. I know uh, Lily's working on whatever show she has on like Stars or something. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I'm very curious to see this one because this is the first one I can really think of since Star Wars came back with the prequels where it was a movie series that was so influential that other movies did what they did in better ways and different ways evolved on what they introduced or what they really radicalized. That's the word, yeah. And I'm like very curious to see what now they can do in the current era. And also the trailer, I think, had enough intrigue. And the fact that they are beholden so much to all of the canon of the Matrix mm-hmm. and beholden to what has come before, what the games, the comics, the movies... I kind of super fucking respect that. Like, the fact that Morpheus is in the movie because they killed him off in the game. Right. It's like, that's kind of crazy in a way that you don't normally see people dedicated to their storytelling. So I'm excited for that. The trailer itself looks cool. I'm very intrigued by a lot. It kind of... I will say, because I was always a big fan of the theory that Neo never fully got the Matrix, uh, the third movie, the Firewall type of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie definitely leads to... looks like that. May may be the case. Well, see, I'm gonna I'm gonna attack this from an entirely different angle, but I'm gonna come to the same conclusion. I actually have never been an, a huge, huge Matrix fan. Oh. Like I, I I own them all. In fact, I recently upgraded uh, my one of my used uh, book and movie stores here in town. Got the uh, the Blu-ray box set in recently for a ridiculously affordable price, and I snapped it up immediately and upgraded my DVDs to Blu-ray. And I now finally own a copy of the Animatrix. It's, it's it's a movie that's or a set of movies that have more or less always been in my collection. But I've never, I've never loved them. I've never, um, I don't want to say worship. I've never, I've never fallen into the world the way I, for example, I fall into, um, you know, the alien continuity or, or to be completely frank, the MCU. But this trailer knocked me on my ass and I think a lot of it I can lay at the feet of just Keanu Reeves has become this amazing legacy actor that he wasn't what he initially played Neo. He was still coming off of Speed and Bram Stoker's Dracula and The Matrix was kind of, to a certain extent, a career boost for him. Yeah. Uh, To see this very seasoned, straight up, still looking like John Wick, you know, now brilliant actor return to this role and honestly the the moment in the trailer that got me the most was him and trinity meeting and, and touching hands for the yep. first time again there was something in both of these really powerhouse actors very subtly playing the emotion of that moment i kind of cheered up a little bit i was deeply impressed by that and that's what i'm looking forward to yes it's very clear that the uh, the action and the special effects have been upgraded accordingly to yeah. the the time and place that this movie uh now falls in our, our culture, but the the human moments and the human connections between these two actors 
is is what's going to sell me on this film. So yeah, I uh, I, I went from I have no 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 dog in this fight. I have no real. I'll see it, but I have no real excitement or desire uh, for the Matrix Resurrections to oh shit, this is going to be a movie that I'm yeah. going to be, I, I am front line for. So that, and that's what a trailer should do. A trailer oh. should sell you without telling you anything. Cause I don't, I still don't know a goddamn thing about this movie other than Neo apparently still has his powers. Um, Neil Patrick Harris has a small part and I love that. Yeah. And, I'm... uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know enough of the twins' individual work to be like, oh yeah, this is totally Lana claiming the property for her own. But it does make me kind of wonder if Lana is more of the humanist, humanist than Lily, because I feel this again. The connections in this film feel stronger than the movies that they've made together. Yeah, I'm. It'll be curious because, like, I I'm trying to think. Almost every project they've done, they've done together, which is right. also just crazy because like they've done from super high well most of them done at this point high profile even beforehand though even uh the early works of various writers most of it if not all of it was together right and that's again also just shocking because you don't normally see that those relationships last that long and right now we have them both working on different properties it's, it's interesting uh, well it's funny because one of them uh lily show i believe is more of a comedy too so it's that's kind of a different avenue for her as well yeah for sure that is interesting yeah i'm trying to think i i um for, for the wachowskis i've seen the three matrixes i saw uh speed racer finally i watched jupiter ascending and of course v for vendetta which again because i'm weird v for vendetta is like far and away my favorite wachowski film that's fair i think the v for vendetta film does I was going to say it's probably the best Alan Moore adaptation film, which isn't like saying a shit ton in fairness. Um, it's it for film. It is, um, what the, uh, what Warner brothers, I hate to say it. God, I feel like such an ass saying it, but the, the Watchmen television adaptation is is fucking such an amazing evolution of the themes and ideas of Watchmen without being a Watchmen adaptation that it gets, it gets special dispensation. But yeah, somebody actually read V for Vendetta, understood V for Vendetta and updated V for Vendetta for the modern times, the modern times being the early two thousands. And it's fucking insane that somebody managed to do that. Yeah, no, I love those. Love it. Uh, yeah, I, I will move on because I love the Matrix. Again, Matrix, I think <laughs> I was also at this perfect age because I was like 7 through like 12 when those movies were coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was uh, – the Matrix came out. I went and saw Matrix instead of going to my senior prom. Mm-hmm. So that that gives you an idea of our age differences. I'm, I'm literally a decade older than you. It's true, it's true, but they're great movies. Yeah, I love – I love them so, and I, I also think this, depending on how this film does it, this is weird thing where it could retroactively uh, fix a lot of weird issues people always had with the second and third films, depending on how they handle it. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm just very, I'm very, very excited for it. Uh, so something else I was very excited for, and I don't know how I feel about it right now because we'll talk about it. I know we both saw Malignant. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of feelings on it because I on one hand I will say it is some of the most interesting camera work and director directing that Juan has done there's some really cool shit done just camera work wise and how the film is 
But I, I want to say a million percent, he had two film ideas and sewed them together and forgot some very important stitches. That's interesting because my reaction to Malignant was um, I fucking adore it. 1,000 stars. I want five to seven increasingly shitty sequels. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a, a beautiful tribute to weird, messed up 80s and 90s uh, slasher and, and horror films. True. Um, and, and you're right. No, it's, it's, it really is two very different films. Uh, that, but I, I, uh, unlike you, I have to say, I feel like he, he made peanut butter and chocolate two great tastes yeah. that ended up going great together that when you first look at it, you're like, are, are, are those gonna, are those gonna work? Um, I will say before we get too much deeper into it, if you haven't seen Malignant and you have any desire to see it, stop listening right now oh, and go, go watch it. the movie because there's it's impossible. It's going to be impossible to talk about Malignant without spoiling the shit out of it. Oh, a that's million just, percent. That's just the way it, it's it's set up. A million percent. Uh, so I'll tell you because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. There's a couple things like it is interesting to see James Wan like purposely mimic because clearly it's what you mentioned '80s movies. The entire opening is like really mimicking that. B movie aesthetic of like horror action and like the acting itself was never the acting the dialogue it's it's um, it's almost atrocious yeah uh, one of my favorite reviews of the movie who ended up again giving it a very positive review was like when I started the movie I was like God when are we going to get away from this trope of opening a horror movie with somebody making a horror movie you know a shitty horror movie inside an actual horror movie yeah. and he's like oh no no this is the actual opening of this horror movie yeah and it it it, it is it immediately kind of uh, offset your foot a little bit because you're like, wow, that was dumb. <laughs> yeah, so I think Juan, so it is my theory. I think he had a murder mystery movie where uh, very similar to what's been done in the past where the main antagonist was also one of the main characters and it was trying to discover, you know, how that was happening. And I think he had a supernatural horror story that was based on more of a creature instead of a ghost and more of a physical Yeah, my, my first thought from, like, the opening five minutes was, okay, so are we doing It's Alive again? Yeah. So I think he combined those. The one, the only problem that I have, and I really mean this, spoilers, is they do, I think it's a, the whole idea of a parasitic twin is a really interesting, <clears throat> cool idea. How the character right. happens. The only thing I wish that there would have been literally, like, some kind of like definitive statement on is why the fuck it has like electric supernatural powers. Yeah. Um, I feel like, and yeah, they don't really, other than it needed some way to communicate. Yeah. Um, they, 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 they kind of hint around at the idea that since they're sharing a brain, the, the brain is technically more powerful, which is also how they get away with the absolutely batshit, seriously, how did they do it, um, police precinct yeah. um, absolute uh, you know, slaughter. Um, but because – and then, you know, and they kind of again hinted, hinted that at the uh, the main character's dialogue. Like it was always my body. If he could do it, I could do it yeah. with, with that, that uh, projection of super strength. Um, so it's kind of – it's kind of – vaguely hinted at that because they, they're two, essentially two minds in one body, it makes yeah. their brain stronger so, and capable of fantastic things. But no, you're right. That's never that's never explicitly called out in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, so I watched it with James, and what he pointed out 
what he, what's his theory was is that in the beginning it keeps on showing them being like electrocuted and they get like lobotomized with like like it's all like mm-hmm. they're always punishing them with electricity, mm-hmm. and then you have that subtle underline. But so for anybody out there watch who doesn't care about spoilers and wants to know, the main character essentially again spoiler 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 go watch the movie. But spoilers, you learn main character had a parasitic twin. Uh, growing out of her back, they shared it. Like so, they shared a mind. He was was irrationally angry at times. Had this moment. Took her to this doctor that specialized in you know removing twins, removing in practical body parts, all the you know any kind of children's surgery. They <laughs> has a little bit of Stephen King's The Dark yeah. in there, but the the twin was never fully absorbed. And the twin effect is literally oh yeah they share a skull and part of a spine, and he has little vestigial T Rex arms that pop yeah. out of her back. Exactly. Uh, so they remove most of it. They can't remove quite at the very top where the brain's connected. So they literally just shove the twin in her skull. And and in most situations, uh, you the 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 dominant twin would absorb. Yeah. There's a twin like that again. That's that's kind of that was the basis of Stephen King's The Dark Half. Yeah. Um, they find the eyeball in the brain, and the 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 twin hadn't quite absorbed all of the body. But in this case, no. Um, the twin Gabriel um, manages to stay alive and still walk cognizant, and is always talking to the main character. I cannot remember her name, unfortunately. But all her life, he's like. Basically acting as an imaginary friend, but yeah. he he can influence her. He can make her see visions or hallucinations. The the stunningly creepiest oh my god that was brilliant moment in the film is when he makes her think she's about to slice off a piece of cake for her pregnant mother, and then she kind of shakes off the delusion and she's standing over her pregnant mother with a butcher knife yeah. about to stab her in the stomach because Gabriel is so incensed at the idea of another child taking his place essentially yeah and a lot of lots of like that but either way anyway the only part that's weird about it is when they when she grows up she has uh, when gabriel takes over and until the end where she realized she needs powers too he talks to electricity he can blow up people's pacemakers he has super strength can heal uh, i'm guessing can heal in kernel fast he's like twisting the body in these weird ways and closing the head back up it's still bleeding but whatever she uh, like has these which is a powers. great clue, honestly. I it actually is. thought that was really, really cool. Oh, that is, and again, I loved it. It was literally the only crazy thing is when they reveal the parasitic twin. They there's never even like really lip service at all to why they have powers. Yeah, and I, the other thing I love about it, it's a hundred percent literally basically a spawn character. <laughs> I hadn't put that together, but now that you said that, my brain immediately went, yep. In, also, in name, too, Malignant, a character that uh, has superpowers but has a parasitic twin inside of her that takes over and becomes a villain, that, that's a McFarlane idea every day of the week. 100%, yeah. Even the backwards and, uh, walking is like a Capullo kind of drawing. Oh, for sure, yeah. And that actually, again, that was a really wonderful um, bit for me because I remember when the cop character uh, was chasing, let's just call her malignant, through the sewers. Yeah. And at one point she falls to, or he falls to all fours and crawls down a pipe, but it looks like he's crawling in backwards <laughs> yep. because he has to because of his knees. And you're just like, that's a weird way to go up a pipe. So, yeah. man, he, he seeds so many interesting little clues throughout the movie, but also is perfectly happy with with the with the fact that this premise is batshit, 
what he wants to do with it is that shit and you're either on board for the ride or you're not and James Wan doesn't care. Yeah. And I kind of adore that about oh, it. Yeah. Like everybody I know spent basically the last third of the movie laughing uproariously, but in pleasure, you know, yeah. not at the movie, with the movie. You 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 are perfectly you are welcomed to to cackle along with the absolute insanity on screen. And there's something genuinely special about a director who's confident enough to do that. One million percent. I got James Wan, another is, you know, one of my favorite directors. Yes. Uh, which is at this point, we'll see how malignant it does, but it's crazy to think of the modern era of horror movies. He made the first saw, he made the first insidious and he made the first couple conjuring films. That is insane. Yeah, that dude has kicked off so many franchises, and it's sad that apparently Malignant is not doing the same thing. It's not getting that kind of uh, love at the box office, even even on HBO Max. Yeah. And it's really, really sad because of all the movies you just listed, again, Malignant is the one where I want so many increasingly terrible sequels because, I mean, where do you go from here? Literally anywhere. There's so many, yeah. so much cool, weird, Again, crazy, badass shit you could do with this. I am not even joking. Legitimately, you could somehow tie this to the new Spawn movie. <laughs> right, yeah. And honestly... You're, you're, you're not wrong. Honestly, if you were to tie it to like a Spawn movie, at least in the superpower, that immediately makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah, this kid just had something with it. I, I, I would... It would take, it would be such an easy thing just to like slightly tweak the story or not even tweak the story and just somehow combine it. I, uh, I would love, I, I will, I'm 100% for that if anyone ever wants to do that. <laughs> but. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you enjoyed it because I, I was a little worried from your lead up that we were going to have a bit of a, a disagreement on this one because I can't really, it's very hard for me to justify why this movie works for me because like I said it is absolutely an insane movie and if you do not click with that insanity it's very hard to be like no it's good because it's nuts yeah. so I, I'm glad that you dug it because you understand what I'm saying when I say oh that. yeah again literally the only thing that even kind of bugged me was the supernatural part just because I would have again there spend time going through these files just for one thing about like again because the movie starts off with this him showing some weird powers and uh, it'd be nice to like, yeah. He why it's like weird to be like, why does the doctor never write down? He can control electricity when he's mad, right? <laughs> something like that. They, they, they something like he can talk to us now. Yeah. When his voice comes through the radio, and that, but that's again literally it for any doctoral authority I, even describing that, his powers. They totally could have done like talk to us now, like some because already this B movie dialogue. You're like, he it seems like he's getting a new power every day or some shit like that. Right. Just some super so, small line. Have you, have you had a chance to see the new Candyman at all? No. Okay, I want to talk just a little bit about it. Yeah. Just because, it, for me, I literally watched them almost back-to-back. -back. Thursday night, Sarah and I went out and saw Candyman, literally because <laughs> she wanted to, some dinner from the Alamo Draft House, and she knew I wanted to see Candyman. And um, it's amazing. It's really, oh, really yeah. good. It's Candyman 4, which I did not realize it is 100% a sequel, not a remake or a reboot. But it's really, really good. It's very thoughtful. It's a movie with a lot on its mind. Uh, there's one thing in there, and I don't want to talk about it because it is a pretty big spoiler. But there's a, a character turn in the third act that uh, is a little abrupt. 
but other than that, it's an incredibly solid film. And like I say, it's it, much like any film, Jordan Peele has a finger in. Of course, I, I have to say, Nia DaCosta directed Candyman. She is yeah. the director. Uh, pro- Peele was a producer and co-scriptor. But I feel like any movie he has a hand in is a movie that's gonna it's gonna leave you with something to chew on. Yeah. And yeah. and again, four and a half stars for Candyman. On the other hand. The other end of the scale, you know, <laughs> the absolutely binky batshit bonkers malignant, also a four and a half star movie, but for completely different yep. reasons. It's 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 a movie that doesn't have all that much on its mind, but it does have a whole lot to show. Yeah. And I think that is just as cool and relevant and important in, in the horror culture and in the horror ideology as something like Candyman. And I love that I got to see both within a day of each other and just experience two entirely different uh, doctrines of horror and be completely blown away and satisfied and happy with both. Hell yeah. No, yeah, they were definitely... Both, again, I want to see Candyman, but it's nice to see so many horror movies getting that love, and also directors and writers getting to make horror movies like that that are not for a budget of $2. Right. Well, it's, it's been such an incredible year for horror. We had the Fear Street trilogy, uh, which was incredibly successful for Netflix, also directed by a woman. Um, we've got Midnight Mass coming up, the new Mike Flanagan project, which I am practically jizzing myself over. Mike Flanagan has become one of my favorite directors. Oh, yeah. That guy made a, a good movie out of Doctor Sleep, which is my least favorite Stephen King novel. I know you're actually a fan. Um, I don't see. Doc, it's interesting because Doctor Sleep's got that same issue where I like it, but it's weird to call it. It's still weird to call the Shining sequel in a lot of ways. Because mm-hmm. to me, I, I always go, like, "Yeah, it's horror X Men." <laughs> That's fair, um, but the movie's fantastic, and yeah. I was not expecting it to be. And so, yeah, but I just I feel like 2021 has been a really solid, smart, and interesting year for horror in a way that I really liked. Oh yeah, there's been there's been a lot a lot of good ones. Uh, one, I'm glad it's been demonic. Another as for another favorite director that also made an interesting concept for movie, but. Again, it, that's what still bugs me about Demonic, because it has all the potential to be malignant, but it just doesn't go into any of those crazier aspects, which is weird, because Blomkamp is so much more natural going into those crazy elements than Juan. Yeah, I've heard Demonic is really not very good, all things ba- considered. It's basic as fuck. Like, it's a... Yeah. It has a really... It has two ideas in it that are really interesting of... Again, you're going someone's mind with VR, and so I like to, again, the movie is basically, oh, what if Inception went inside the brain of someone who was possessed? Like, that's a good horror concept. That's a beautiful concept, yeah, that's really that's strong. fucking awesome. And, but, but, yeah, but he doesn't really do anything Doesn't do it, a right? shit ton, and then there's another one that's, uh, it's in the trailer, so it's not spoiled, but like, there's a special branch of the Catholics of uh, Vatican that is essentially like this, you know, army ready to go to fight off these possessions and have these secret uh, medical facilities around the world that are uh, treating coma patients because coma patients, uh, there's like 2% coma patients that are possessed. Oh, my bad. Uh, No worries. uh, There are like 2% of coma patients that are like actually possessed or some shit like that. Uh, Again, Really cool idea, and there's a lot of potential there. But literally, those those get very little time, and everything else gets a shit ton of time. <sighs> that's that's 
so disappointing because yeah, uh, I I am of the okay. I'm, again, I know I've said this before, but it bears repeating. I still haven't watched fucking Chappie. I know yeah. I need to, but I'm one of the people who is like, yeah, Elysium. Elysium has again, it's a movie with a lot on its mind yeah. and no subtlety to saying what is on its mind. And I appreciate a movie that is brave enough to do that. Same with yeah. District Nine. District Nine was a movie that I chewed on for literally a month after seeing it. Just sat there and 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 you know I would my brain would just wander back to it and i understand chappie uh is is similar if not the same yeah so it really disappoints me that blancamp when finally given the chance to dive into some real true horror just whiffs it so badly yeah it, yeah that's that's the best way to put it because it, it is because like nicholas Wynn reffin and director another favorite director that same thing in that same league, and even once the movie I've hit I don't love, it's always got something to make me go, man, I didn't love the story, but fuck, that was beautiful visually, or fuck, this was amazing or that. And this movie tries to do stuff where they shoot uh, all the VR scenes are actually shot with the, the way that you basically make a VR game, so technically, like, those scenes you can actually turn into a game if you wanted to. Uh, there are, like, a lot of interesting stuff like that, volumetric uh, recording, I believe. But, uh... Okay. So it's cool to look like that, but it's never really, it never looks at, like that visually great, and it never comes off as like this crazy cool thing. Where it's like again, District Nine was a cheap movie that had some of the best CG to this day. Oh yeah, no, um, uh, Christopher Johnson and, and all of his uh, alien ilk are ridiculously good looking aliens. Oh, yeah. It's I don't understand how he did that. To be completely oh frank. yeah. Uh, and I know he's working with all these games and all this cool stuff, so it's, that one is just sad because, yeah, there could have been another Malignant, but sadly, not the case with that one. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, no, I also, uh, another movie I don't think, I don't know if you've seen, but I did see last night, I totally forgot until right now, the Hulu movie Vacation Friends. I still haven't watched it. Um, it looks cute. It's, Am I right? <laughs> it is exactly what Hulu's been doing a lot lately, where it's making those, like, kind of gross-out party movie, like, semi-stoner party movies that are, like, those kind of like us. Honestly, people will show me saying this, but kind of like some of the more recent Adam Sandler Netflix movies where they're not a masterpiece, they're not incredible, but if you're just uh, really bored, really stoned, or really drunk, they're a perfect movie for that. Right. Um... I have to come to the defense of Palm Springs real quick because Palm Springs was a Hulu movie that did not do that, but it's probably the only one. Fair. I don't know if I ever saw Palm Springs. It's so good, dude. Go watch Palm Springs. You will not regret it. Uh, I still need to see Kate because I still have a huge crush on Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead in Half Baked Crank is a uh, is a movie I want to see. Here's. Again, streaming as streaming it, we're constantly talking. It is interesting because Hulu, Netflix seems like they keep on pumping out stuff that are all this like line of worth watching but not incredible. Yeah, and it's kind of sad because I feel like, especially Netflix, there was a time frame there where Netflix was like, I was so excited for every original because that was like <laughs> the best shit in the world. And now I don't know if it's just through volume or what. Uh, we also, speaking of, before my mind won this, too much, speaking of shows, I haven't watched it. I know why The Last Man's episode, uh, first episode went up. Yeah, I saw that went up today, and man, I am, I'm so trepidatious about this, because you know me. Yeah. I fucking love why. It's genuinely one of my all-time favorite comics, and after Preacher got butchered so badly by creators who I thought knew and understood the material, um, I'm still, I'm just so... 
I'm genuinely worried about, you know, how Y is going to turn out, especially because that trailer didn't do a ton for me. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the casting. I just, uh, this, you know, Y just may end up not being a show for me. And that's okay. But as a, as a huge fan of the franchise, I was just like, I really, I wanted this one to work. And I just, I don't know if it can. Yeah. And I, I don't know how much Brian K. Vaughn had to do with this version of the show either. Yeah. That's the other thing about why it's one of the ones where, I, I mean, I know it's happened to a lot of things, but it's had so many almost movies, almost TV shows. I've gone to different mm-hmm. places. It is weird how fast this one came together, and I'm hoping it's good. I will probably watch the episode. But, uh, yeah, I'm like you. I'm kind of trepidatious on what to expect from it, even, because yeah, I just have no idea. No idea whatsoever. Uh but, uh, yeah, no, sorry, I was uh, thinking back to it. I still have, I just, I have no clue. But, yeah, that, that happened. There was also, I think, American Horror Story, What We Do in the Shadows season. Oh, okay. Really? I, I have been watching the new What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, nice. Um, it took it a minute, but I feel like the most recent episode, um, it's now episode three on Hulu, but it feels like episode four because I think they combined the first two episodes into one. Yeah, they draw, the first two episodes dropped the same day. Yeah, uh, but the the episode Gale, I think, finally gets what we do in the shadows back to the uh, back to what it's been with the first two seasons. And uh, again, a lot of that falls at the feet of uh, Colin Robinson. Colin Robinson, my yep. absolute favorite character. I'm I'm still impressed how much they've gotten out of uh, what we do in the shadows. Because again, it's one of the movies, one of my favorite movies, and the show. Mm-hmm. I love the first couple seasons. Now see how they keep evolving it and keeping it fresh. Yeah, I'm liking. I I'm excited to see where they're going again. FX is doing a lot of cool stuff right now. So yes. Oh, I do did really quickly. Uh, kind of talk about TVs, but also possible comics. Did you by chance read the Army of Darkness 1979 comic? No, I did not. Oh, I read first issue. Uh, it's fine. Okay. I I so far it's basically uh, so essentially this is totally a. Uh, Ash versus the Warriors. Oh, wow. Okay. Weird, but okay. It, the, the premise is essentially uh, the Warriors uh, going on. This gang introduces themselves called the Warlocks, and they have the Necronomicon. They, uh, Ash gets uh, sent back from the future to the past again, and, uh, you know, it's having it's dealt in that situation. Looking for this gang during uh, New York Warriors night. <laughs> Interesting. That could be good. Yeah. yeah, I've I've actually um spent a lot of money on Evil Dead related things recently. I bought the 3 disc Army of Darkness Blu-ray special edition oh, nice. and then uh Amazon had the 4K of Evil Dead 2 with a Blu-ray and a digital code for like 11.99. So, nice. I went ahead and upgraded my Evil Dead 2 as well. Thank I still you. have uh, Evil Dead on DVD, not Blu-ray, but that's because I bought the 3-disc special edition a long time ago, and it's beautiful and perfect, and I don't feel the need to upgrade. Fair, fair. Uh, oh, <laughs> on the same horror note, I, forgot, I said I didn't have much comics to talk about. I did forget I am fully caught up on the main Fear State story. How is it going? It is definitely the it is definitely, definitely the best Tiny and Batman. Okay. But again... I'm so glad to hear that. It's weird. It's the best Tiny and Batman... And the first, I guess, uh, first, so you we had the prelude Batman issue, the alpha issue, and the newest Batman issue. They, uh, 
don't feature a shit ton of Batman. Hmm. And it's interesting to me that that seems to be where right now Tiny is shining because I like the Clown Hunter stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, no, I really, really like these little story going on. It does actually feel like a, a event, and because it's scarecrow focused, I'm digging it too because we haven't seen a scarecrow focused story in so long. Right. And I do like that it's definitely elevating scarecrow back to that A list of Batman villains. That is pretty great. I, I definitely have no complaints about that. So that part of it, I, I really like that because. As much as I love, 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 love Morrison and Capullo, uh, Capullo, one of the, and Snyder, I don't know why I said Capullo first, but uh, <laughs> uh, as much as I love both those heirs, the one thing is bad is they elevated Joker to such a high point <laughs> that every every writer in DC themselves have, I don't know if they've demanded a Joker story, just everyone is like, hey, if you have a Joker story, tell it first. Right. But, uh, well, I, that, that might actually get back into the whole behind the scenes with um, that, ty- that Tanya's been, talk- yeah. been talking about on his newsletter, which I haven't subscribed to, but I've definitely heard. He is spilling some serious beans uh, in regards to what was going on then. But, of course, from what I understand, a lot of his initial problems were um, with 5G and who was going to be 5G, who wasn't, who wasn't available because of 5G, who was suddenly available again. And that's why he started creating all these new characters, uh, Punchline and Cloud Hunter and all that, was because he just flat out did not know who, who he was going to be allowed to use. So he just started making new people that uh, he could use. That would make sense. That would make a ton of because it, like, it is crazy how big the cast is of, like, Miracle Molly, uh, Twitch, uh, Ghost Maker, Punchline, Clown Hunter. Like, it is the most new characters I've seen made in Batman in a while. Yeah. So I think in, what, Snyder's entire run, you had uh, Blue Jay, Duke, the Owls, and Bloom. I was gonna say Bloom, yeah. Which that's that still felt like you know quite a few new characters, considering, uh, especially over at Marvel and especially over in like the X Men and Fantastic Four lines, there was a a un, unwritten but definitely spoken in hushed tones rule that you could not create new characters at all for those franchises. Yeah. So you you basically were just repeating storylines. So yeah, Batman definitely felt fresh for a long time there. And is and, uh, is, is definitely trying to feel fresh now. But man, there's just again, yeah. so much of Tanyan's uh, work just has not I love it's weird because I, my bread. I love I've loved Department of Truth and Wind. I need to get caught up on both of them, but I loved them. And, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, so I'm, I'm hoping, I'm excited to see what comes out in this new era for him and how it goes, because it is crazy, because he kind of seems like, no offense to Tom King, either, but he seems like almost reverse Tom King, where I don't think anyone was expecting him to be the guy, mm-hmm. and now that he's kind of in this position of becoming the guy, uh, it's interesting how he handles it versus King. Right. Because. Yeah, that's, that's a fair criticism, honestly. Uh, because again, I love King, but the sad thing is, like, King felt like uh, right now is writing that Supergirl book, and I hear nothing about it. Uh, my one friend who talks about everything that he buys uh, and has a big boner for Tom King, like I used to, uh, is quite digging it. And from what I understand, um, 
Adam Strange or Strange Worlds or Strange Tales or whatever it is yeah. uh, has picked up and is definitely interesting. Okay. But again, it's, it's really not making a buzz. And I'll say, uh, I've read three issues of Batcat now on DC Universe Unlimited. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely enjoyed it. I'll okay, probably yeah. end up picking the hardcover of that up. Yeah. But yeah, for, for as far as, like you say, mainstream, in everybody's faces buzz, uh, yeah, nothing. That's crazy. Speaking of one that is getting some buzz, I did actually read Dark Ages. Excellent. I'm hearing some pretty solid things about that. It's good setup, but issue one is definitely a ton of setup. Uh, it's fun setup, very fun setup, but because again, you have to set up essentially this. But so the basic premise is that uh, the bigger than Eternals. Like, or maybe Eternals. I don't, can't remember. What's, uh, like, Annihilus and all them? Um, the, um, Negative Zone villains? Maybe. I'm, try, I'm trying to think what they are. The what, Deviants? The, one of the cosmic big, big powers, they all came okay. together and locked this, like, basically. Celestials. Yes, yeah, Celestials. Uh, okay. Came together and locked, uh, locked this, basically, death machine a god of death, essentially, in the inside Earth when it was a primordial egg, and uh, it's woken up on Earth as Earth has, uh, whatever's woken up has woken it up. The heroes all try to save it. It kills off a lot of heroes. In the end, Doctor Strange pulls a, like, EMP from another dimension big enough to take this machine, god of death machine out. Blows up, but it, it EMPs every bit of technology on Earth, so you end with them in the Dark Ages. Okay. So it's not. I'm, I'm curious about the idea. You see, like the like Spidey and the, and uh, like how these designs are. You see, uh, like who the possible villains are, and uh, I think that's potential. You can definitely. I can definitely see why this is like pitched as their deceased. Yeah. And uh, I I will definitely read it for a little bit. I'm not like issue one did not blow me away like I was wanting it to. Because I've been on such a Taylor kick here lately. Right. Because, uh, again, I'm loving his fucking... His Superman is awesome. Yeah, and I've also heard Dark Detective is really li- living up to the Tom Taylor finally yes. on Batman. Yes, I that love we, that, That too. we've all wanted. I've, lo- I've loved Dark Detective, too. It's Dark Detective's probably my favorite Bat book coming out. It's just between delays and the monthly schedule feels like it, I don't see it ever. Right. Uh, so yeah, no, I really, really, I really enjoyed it, but it's not, yeah, it's definitely not something I'm chomping at the bit for more right now. I just kind of, we'll see where it goes. Right. Uh, and that's, that's absolutely fair for that one. Uh, it's yeah. also, again, that's a book that was delayed because the preview for it was in the last year's Hickman X-Men free comic book day. And then it just kind of disappeared off yep. the, um, docket for a long time and i kind of wonder if it if it's only only back on because wait tom taylor's hot now yeah we got a tom taylor book don't we oh kind of speaking of x-men i finally found an x-men book i love uh and it's the second one out of the out of the series and i love the first one too but i definitely love them uh, the demon days x-men books oh excellent so you're really digging on this they're fucking awesome they take forever to come out but it, it is like how much freedom the creator has behind it is crazy because, like, renaming characters that are clearly like, oh, it's Wolverine in this universe and it's like feudal Japan right. universe, but doesn't look like Wolverine or like Sabretooth has a different name and looks way different. But it's a, uh, 
they're it's really cool. I the art is awesome, and it's I love the like almost what if for X Men. Right. Uh, um, I have not. I'm gonna admit I haven't read any of those, oh, but I'm glad funny. you're enjoying them. That's, but I know there's a new X Men book that you did read. There is, and I, I definitely I'm so glad you said that because it reminded me because I was like there was something else I wanted to talk about. So. um Marvel Unlimited got a facelift, and uh, honestly, as a longtime Marvel Unlimited subscriber, I'm not a fan. It's uh, it's, it feels much harder to navigate. Um, I do I I'm, I genuinely hope uh, that it ends up being the uh, new reader friendly guy that it is very clearly trying to be. Yeah. But as as a, again an old time a long time fan and a, a long time subscriber. I'm finding it almost impossible to navigate now. The only good thing about it uh, is they went the, the DC uh, Universe Infinite route, and instead of having a cap on 12 downloaded issues, you can download as many issues as your device can hold. Nice. Um, so, nice. And that is nice. And then also, they've uh, they've rebooted the uh, Infinite Comics brand. You may or may not remember when Comixology was first starting to be a big thing. Marvel did Infinite Comics through Comixology, uh, starting with uh, some tie-ins to AVX. And if you remember back in the day, those used to be they, – they took advantage of the guided view setup and you would swipe and it would reveal more dialogue panels or uh, you know, oh, different yeah, yeah. scenes in different ways. And it was kind of like a digital movie in comics format. What nice. they're doing now, and it, they've, they've put on just a shit ton of them. There's a Shang-Chi one. There's a Jeff the Shark one. There's an absolute crap ton of new uh, Infinite Comics. I've only read uh, the Hickman, Declan Shelby, Wolverine solo adventures that they're doing right now. And at least as far as this goes, they're definitely taking advantage of the new format. So basically the idea of the new Infinite Comics are comics that will be easy to read on your phone. Uh, they literally they scroll down oh, and it's a continuous scroll to tell the story and so far at least the first two issues not so much in the third one it kind of breaks down but the the story that Hickman set out to tell using this format is Wolverine attacking an aim ship that locked on to their floating um satellite station so there's a lot of wolverine falling oh. like fall, falling through the atmosphere falling onto uh, a ship and then tearing it apart and then falling away from the ship and then he, he finds out because uh, the aim has captured a couple of mutants okay. so wolverine's going after them so he falls down an elevator <laughs> shaft and there's some some fun stuff that happens. so there's there's a lot of reason for the momentum of going downward and scrolling on your phone but Honestly, having having lived through the first Marvel Infinite Comics experience, trying this now, I mean, it's it's neat. It's a fun concept. Uh, at, like I said, at least Hickman is trying to do something interesting with it. Yeah. But overall, it's just kind of meh. You know, there, this this is definitely not a storytelling concept that is going to last incredibly long in the same way that you know when marvel unlimited first hit they had comics with sound effects yeah uh with the with the uh the guided view or the original infant comics it's a it's a fad and um it's not it's not a bad one but it's definitely it's definitely nothing to write home about the story itself is like i said it's it's a kind of fun and that it's a wolverine solo story and hickman is very clearly having a good time uh subverting the traditional wolverine tropes and expectations kind of in the same way joss whedon did a little bit like i said there's a 
a great several page joke where Wolverine is uh, trying to basically falling down an elevator shaft. And the first couple of times he bounces off the walls. The third one, he's got his claws in the wall and is drinking a beer that he stole that he brought with him. Huh. That he lets go and, and continues to fall. It's a it's a nice little Bill and Ted. Man, we've been screaming for a while, haven't we? Uh, yeah. Well, what do we do? Scream some more, I guess. Joke. <laughs> so, but to, I mean, it's it's fun. It's not terrible, but it's definitely like no reason. If you haven't already subscribed to Marvel Unlimited, it's not a reason to, yeah. to sign on for any way, shape, or form. Interesting. Yeah, that's on one hand, it's exciting to see like kicking the people trying out like a different way to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it is sad too, like you said, the way it was pitched, like this new, a new Hickman X Men only on info. It's like okay, mm-hmm. that's cool, and it's if it's essentially more of a gimmick than the story. Exactly. Yeah, and I will say a minor spoiler: um, Wolverine does f- f- uh, free one of the three mutants uh, from Aim and Modok at the end, and it's Nightcrawler. And it's it, there's definitely a nice bro moment between those two characters. And then Nightcrawler is the one that suggests maybe we should split up, and each one of us go after a mutant. And Wolverine's like, "Nope, we're doing this together." Be quick, it'll be quicker if we can do it together. We'll go free one, and then all three of us will go free the last one. And it's, it's, a, it's a nice little bit of a heroism and leadership from Wolverine, which we kind of haven't really seen since those heady Jason Aaron Wolverine in the X-Men days. So, it's, it's again, it's it's not a bad story, but you're absolutely yeah. right. It, it's a story based around the gimmick, not the other way around. See, I, I kind of respect that, but, man, some of that, again, that's the thing with Hickman. We put too much pressure on him, where... Because in my head, I want to think of him as like a modern uh, Morrison in some ways. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, yeah, I can't tell everyone to make like a weird classic issue of the gimmick like the Nuff said New X-Men issue. Right. Which even that, uh, the one thing I one thing I absolutely adore about that is that uh, Morrison basically said fuck you and yeah. still told the story he wanted to tell. Yep. Because I, I remember turning that last page and Emma saying... Uh, Professor X killed his sister in the womb something 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 and it felt like a shout in my ears yeah. after after these you know 20 pages of silence and it was such a brilliantly designed uh, subversion again of the storytelling that was being that was enforced on him that um, it, it had an impact and to this day has an impact man I hope that Inferno picks up on that yep I will see we'll see we got that coming exactly. that's coming soon yeah, I think uh, I think the first issue ships this month because it's a four issue miniseries. It's done in December, so we're, we're going to have Trial of Magneto and Inferno wrap up at the same time. I've, all that's another one I've heard nothing about. Trial, like it's fine. Yeah, I think we it, talked. It's, it's a very standard first issue that I think has potential to be more in the future, um, but. I don't know if it's going to live up to that potential. The thing is, also, I have I really, really like Leah Williams, yeah. so I have a lot of faith in her to deliver something here at the, you know, at the end. But uh, yeah, the first issue was perfectly cromulent, and that's about all I can give you. Mm. Well, that's okay. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've really read. I don't, I've been reading a lot of manga lately, so I can't. Good, man. I've got to get back into reading manga. Uh, one of my coworkers is uh, about 700 episodes into One Piece. He only started in March, so in about six months oh he's killed God. 700 episodes. And I'm like, man, that's insane. But, you know, I still have my uh, – 
digital um, Shonen Jump app, and every yeah. once in a while I'll read a couple issues of Naruto, a couple issues of One Piece, a couple issues of uh, Bakuman. But I just I've overloaded myself so much on everything else I'm trying yeah. to get read that the uh, manga flips to the side for me, and I really I really wish it wouldn't because I, every time I pick up a manga I enjoy, I'm like, man, what am I doing not reading this? Or Beck, yeah. I'm more than halfway through Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. Why the fuck have I not just sat down and finished it? It's amazing and beautiful. Well, that's like manga. The pacing is so fast and so mm-hmm. you can like knock out volume after volume after volume in no time. Yeah. Uh, so what have you been reading? Uh, right now, uh, they recently, I think it was this year, they reprinted Shaman King, which was back in the day, like when I was growing up, was one of the ones I was positioned to kind of be uh, the fourth out of like the Gokus and Luffy's and mm-hmm. all Naruto's and all that. Like a very different, very cool, essentially like... Shaman. I have a friend who is obsessed with Shaman King. Oh. He, he built he built a D and D class oh, around right. Shaman King, like homebrewed an entire. Uh, oh, that's awesome! D and D class, yeah, yeah. So that uh, they have it also have a new anime series on Netflix. So, I'll, oh, okay, cool. I haven't watched. I've heard very mixed things, so I don't oh, know. Damn, okay. Well, I think it's like twelve episodes, and they basically try to shove in like if I don't know if it's the entire series or half the series in the twelve episodes. So. A lot of people say that if you're not familiar with the manga, it's insanely hard to keep up with. Gotcha. Uh, that, uh, Chainsaw Man, that's been super popular lately. Uh, yeah, Didgeri Chainsaw Man, yeah, I've heard yeah. nothing but incredible things. It's fun. It's, it's, it's a new one. That and uh, Jujutsu Kaisen are both, like, really, really fun and uh, becoming, like, big, big now. Uh, but yeah, that's, I've been reading that. I've been reading that mostly. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else lately. I don't think I have. Yeah, I've been. And even TV, like I haven't really. I know we got Doom Patrol coming up. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, I, again, I haven't kept up with what uh, with the uh, what if at all. It's a. Uh, it started really strong. Last couple episodes have been okay. Um, I'm hoping it has a big finish. Uh, yeah. Definitely more looking forward to Hawkeye than anything at this point. Yeah. Uh, I will say I'm more than halfway through season seven of Flash on Netflix, which I know has been on Netflix for a while, so oh. that's not really uh, much to commend me on. But uh, it's – oh, man. On the one hand, it's so bad. And on the other hand, I am still so charmed by the characters and the actors playing them that I still get just enough enjoyment out of it mm-hmm. that I'd rather keep up than not. Yeah, my, my brother, who's a, a huge, biggest Flash fan I know, and he l- used to love and adore the show, and I think a lot of people around, like, season six, and now seven, I, like, really started dropping off, and it's sad, because I don't know, I don't know if it's just the creatives behind have kind of lost their steam, and it's run, you know, it's run long enough now that they, they don't know, like, if everyone involved, like, their passion's not as crazy for it anymore. Yeah, well, I gotta say, as as great and amazing and, and honestly as, as perfect as it could be, Crisis on Infinite Earths, I think Crisis on Infinite Earths actually ended up breaking everybody. Yeah, because, say. you know, that, that was already Arrow's last season. Supergirl got one more season after that, and, and Melissa Benoist was like, I'm, I'm done, guys. And I think also, I think her getting pregnant. It was yeah. also like a, a helped with that, but still, um, and you know, you can tell Flash is haha running on its last legs. The only show that I think was unaffected by that was uh, Legends of Tomorrow because Legends of Tomorrow is batshit insane, yeah. embraces its batshit insanity, and could probably run for a hundred years because it's just enjoys being nuts. Yeah. 
What's like, uh, I can't remember. Is Batwoman still coming out? Uh, I think season two has uh, either wrapped or is wrapping soon, and I don't know if it's coming back for a third season. I don't think anybody said. Uh, even hardcore Batwoman fans that I've seen on Twitter have been like, they're done. In between, you know, yeah. just the first season being lackluster and then this season having apparently no direction. Yeah, that's what I... It's sad, because I love that character, Batwoman, and I feel like she is great for her own show. Mm-hmm. But, man, it seems like I never knew what, and it's still shocking and they me. Did, and they didn't adapt Batwoman, you know? Yeah. The, the, I've, I watched the first five or six episodes, and even though you had uh, Kathy... Uh, Kane? Kane and Alice and, and her, that was her sister, and, you know... Father was a uh, um, in the military. Yeah, you know they they had the super basic trappings of of the Batwoman concept and comic, but they didn't. They, it was not a true adaptation, and what they replaced the adaptation with didn't work. Like yeah. if you're got, if you're not going to do a straight adaptation, you've got to do something like what Amazon did with the boys. Yeah, and take the themes and concepts and ideas and and at least stay true to those even if you're going to alter the story exactly you know preacher didn't do that um batwoman definitely hasn't done that and that's why i'm so fucking worried about why the last man to bring us back yeah. to that because i it's okay if you don't do a word-for-word adaptation but you still have to capture the tone oh, and yeah. the theme well especially with why because it's so like uh, umbrella academy is an example of it captures a theme and tone but it's it's also very different kind of Umbrella Academy at the end of the day is now, you know, three three volumes and a spinoff. Where Y is a bunch of, you know, sequential issues. Like, how many issues is Y? It's, it's a 60-issue it's a story yeah, exactly. that, that, tell, that tells a complete story from beginning to end. Much like Preacher, 66 issues. Yep. And it, tell, it tells an honest-to-God story with, the, with, the, with a genuine beginning, middle, and end. And, but, no, my, again, my, my issues with Preacher are very much centered on you very clearly did not understand one character. And that one character was my favorite character, and it broke the, the show for me. No, that it's that's a fair one too. We have a lot. So I, 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 I speaking of shows, I don't like. Have we talked about the fact that uh, Doctor Who officially in the announcement of uh, showrunner and uh, Whitaker leaving after the next season? Uh, we've talked about it off mic. I don't know if we talked about it on mic because I, I know you said you were really deeply suspicious of the idea that it was always three and out for her. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really a bummer. It is. Because I, I don't think, and admittedly, I own the first Jodie Whittaker season of Doctor Who. I actually haven't watched her yet. But mm-hmm. from what I understand, she's not a bad Who. She's, she's not, not a bad. She's not a bad Doctor. But the showrunner basically ran the show into the ground. Yeah, it's, uh, his name is, I think, Stephen Chipdale, I think his name is, something like that. Uh, it is, it's, I don't ever want to just, like, blame, 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 blame. But at the same time, I don't know... Like, watching that show go from, you know, the Tenant and Smith times, like, the super beloved, the biggest the show's ever been, what got me, you know, what got me into the show. Uh, Peter Capaldi is, like, I think mi- misunderstood, but ultimately getting realized, especially the later seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, somebody, I recently saw an episode, or a, a YouTube video on your favorite Capaldi episode and how it was one of the best episodes of Doctor Who ever. Oh, yeah. It's, it, again, it. It might be my favorite episode. It's up there. It is high up there. It is so good, and it, again, it rests entirely on Capaldi. 
Yeah, and also it, it does something that the doctor doesn't often deal with, which is guilt. Guilt and The doctor, doctor tends to, much like um, Rick and Rick and Morty, yeah. the doctor tends to fly away from his guilt and do other things instead of processing. And this, and that entire episode is uh, Capaldi 12 processing yeah. Clara's death. Processing the death, the constant, constant, uh, the idea of like playing with time to, to the slow degree of like time slowly passing over millions of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was cool. Yeah, that show. I again, I love it. You can tell. Like, I know that uh, the new, the new showrunner wanted Moffat to kind of wrap everything up and didn't want any loose ends. So that's why a lot of characters either got killed or moved or just cut off after that. Yeah. Um, again, I still haven't finished the uh, the final Capaldi season. And mm-hmm. honestly, at this point, it's because I don't want to see Bill die. I cannot yeah. believe they killed Bill after one season because, God damn it, Bill's amazing. Bill's amazing and. Yeah, it builds amazing. She and it's sad because of how that. The only thing that this season that definitely fucks up. I do. I'm not a huge fan of Claire's like death and then kind of death. Mm-hmm. Like that kind well, of. Clara, Clara died, quote unquote. Yeah. Like three times before she actually yeah. died. So when she actually died, yeah, I was kind of like, okay, so when's she coming back? It did actually, did, and I think it took away from the impact of that that episode we keep talking yeah. about initially because it's like, why is he so upset? Clara always comes back. That's kind of her thing. <clears throat> yeah, and then uh, yeah, Bill being killed off was like just crazy for what that is. And then uh, yeah, Whitaker again. Whitaker's not bad, but you also have way too many companions because she has like four or five companions mm-hmm. or something. Which, like which that. honestly does go back to earlier. Who? Yeah, because you, you you watch the William Hartnell years or the Patrick. Um, Oh, God. He's one of my favorite doctors. I can never remember that asshole's name. Uh, Patrick Trouton. Uh, you go back to it. Then he had – those guys had two, three, four companions yeah. at a time. Uh, well, but, think, yeah, at this point, at this point, it does – it's it's it overcrowds. Well, it's also the problem. Most of those doctors you got to know a little bit before, mm-hmm. and they normally, like, acquire them. She gets, like, three in her first episode. Oh, that's – oh, man. Like, if I – I can't remember. It's, like, her first thing in episode, she has – like, she gets them quick. That's really yeah. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little disappointed by that. Like it, it's pretty. If I remember right, it's like the three or four characters you meet at first. Like their whole circle joins her, and it's so it's always in the beginning. You don't really get to see her, and that's why I'm kind of disappointed because her her length as a doctor and her time will be basically the same of the past several. Uh, it, it's just weird though because every one of them to me, even if I didn't love them at first, always had something that like like Capaldi. It took. Like I still don't love the first season with him, but once it's rough. He, yeah, it's so rough. It's rough, but once he kind of finds his voice, he becomes one of the coolest embodiments of the Doctor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what what really bothers me is that the the incel chodes are going to feel like this is a victory for them. Yeah, and it's and it's because the saddest part is. Like, on one hand, it goes back, it's kind of like the fucking, anytime some shit like this happens, whether it be the Snyder Cut, or Captain Marvel, or Ghostbusters, like, there's a small kernel of truth of, if you have a long-running fan base, you have to recognize how dangerous it is to switch everything on them. And how you why, better... Why are you including Captain Marvel in that, just real quick, I'm not... Oh, I'm saying anything that had, like, the fan base, like, they had such an expectation before the movie even came out. Gotcha. So I'm just like, dying in because it was, sadly, Marvel's first major woman character, and you had already seen Wonder Woman and everything, it's like... And it still made a billion dollars. Oh, yeah, it still did great. Well, and it's, again, it's one of the better versions, I was going to say, is you better have a fucking good plan or a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Because 
when you don't do it, like Ghostbusters 2016, it's not like it's the worst fucking movie ever made or anything like that. It, I like it. Yeah, it's not like this horrible thing. It's just when you change everything at once, it's hard. And then when you deliver a product that is something different than people went in for, like in Doctor, and what I, I don't mean that as like they're right, but I mean that part of the argument. I've always I get where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. They just pile on a shit ton of hate and misogyny and sexism and crazy well, racial shits and. It's, it's like when I when I talk about Masters of the Universe Revelation, it really yeah. really upsets me that again the the incel chodes got their teeth into that so early yeah. because it's like guys, there's plenty of reasons to hate this show that are not dumb and infantile. Yeah. The writing is bad, the storytelling is uh, incredibly poor, the pacing is weird. Yeah, uh, it feels like a knockoff Star Wars at times. Yeah. This show is bad because it's bad. It's not bad because Tila's the lead. Yeah, fucking idiots. Yeah, that's where it's like, because like my problem, I've always said with Ghostbusters twenty sixteen is literally in the fact it's another example to me of if you re edit that movie and just have a different director at hand at uh, at the helm that isn't like so uh, like the the style of comedy where it's like oh just let them riff for thirty minutes, right? Then you have a different movie and that is going to work better and do a little thing. But anyway, my point being with Doctor Who is. You already have a new Doctor, and then when you... Because traditionally, for anyone out there... I know we're ranting about Doctor Who, but for anyone out there who doesn't watch it, a lot of times, when a Doctor... Uh, not reincarnates, why I can't think of... Regenerates. Regenerates. Uh, when he regenerates, typically, if they have uh, a companion from the previous season, a lot of times they'll either follow over for like a season, or it will... Uh, like, there'll be some kind of resolution. Mm-hmm. And it, like with the new Doctor, and when you do that... Typically, it acts as a bridge for the viewer, for them to kind of almost be handed over. Now, again, with Capaldi, they did it too much because they literally had the previous doctor call in and be like, hey, tell everyone you're cool. And I said so. Uh, Yeah, you had that kind of stuff. But anyway, you still, uh, like, you never, you you were able to carry over. And when you kill Bill off, like, again, within a season of her becoming this awesome character. Yeah. And you kill her off, you cut off all running storyline, especially after four seasons that built up to, like, literal, basically Doctor Who movies. Mm-hmm. And you didn't give three companions immediately. You changed the format to where it's not long running anymore. It's back to the old serialized, like, Monster of the Week. And then on top of that, you start having a lot of political points that are way too heavy-handed. And so then that's where it comes in where people like are already mad and they start a latching onto that political thing and just running with like, well, this show sucks because of this. It's like, no, that doesn't, it doesn't suck because of that. It sucks because feminism ruined Dr. Who. Yeah. That, that's kind of stuff. I'm like, no, like again, I think Whitaker could be an incredible doctor. Like she is great in the role. Her casting is great. The, The way she portrays herself, the way she portrays the doctor, I think is incredible. It just goes back to you have to have those solid scripts in those moments because no matter how good you know Matt Smith or David Tennant is, they all had shit episodes too. Oh, for sure, yeah. Because some writers just don't, some scripts just don't work as well as you think they're going to when they're shot, and sometimes they make for lesser ones. But the problem is they always had those elements where you could go like, man, you have to watch this episode though, even if you don't like this Doctor. And it's just sad that you know Whitaker. I'm hoping this final season gives her at least one or two episodes like that right and also I really wonder if they wrote themselves into a corner I won't 
I don't know if have you had the big spoiler or anything like that of what happened? I still haven't, and okay. I feel really lucky. I know there is a big spoiler yeah. because you well, hinted that at me, but you've you've done really good about not telling me, which I appreciate. I I, I won't say it then, but because that spoiler changes the nature of the show so much, mm-hmm. the problem is again in her third season she's going to now have to be like the first doctor to deal with this reveal. Which could be crazy. And the problem is with the new showrunner, it also has a high chance of new doctor comes out and just goes, oh, that's not happening. You get like the Whedon, X, not Whedon, but you get like the Claremont Whedon era of X-Men after new X-Men. Right, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, that didn't happen. And I'm, I don't know, it just seems so unfair for the Whitaker run, but also for the, you know, for the writer and everyone involved. Like, I hate that. It's like, it's that worst possible combination of the wrong ride, writer at the wrong time with the wrong build-up and wrong height. Because had this been just a, another season, it would have been fine, but following, you know, again, most, like, three Doctors in a row that just, like, really changed things and the hottest yeah. period of Doctor Who in the world. Ever. Ever. In the, in the character's history. And to get put back there is kind of like, oh... And I, uh, I don't know. I just, I hope she has at least one episode where you, people can go and like, you got to watch this episode. Yeah, because like, no, that's 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 again, that's absolutely right. I have I have not heard a single like this. This is the Jodie Whittaker Doctor episode that you need to watch. I have I've not heard that, and every other Doctor has one. Yeah, they all do. And I, I mean all twelve, literally. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's not. Even, like, everyone, that's, again, going back to keep saying it, that's the part that, as someone who likes Doctor Who, I just, I can't believe you've had, you know, two seasons and two two movie-length specials, and you haven't had one in there that's like, you gotta watch it. Yeah. Like, I feel like, not to brag, I feel like you give me and you two seasons of a show, we'll probably get get one good script in there. We'll, we'll give you we'll give you a good episode somewhere in that uh, yeah. twenty to twenty four episode run. Yeah, we'll probably we can probably score one one solid B plus A minus hit. And I I think this is just a good example of also how important a showrunner is. Mm-hmm. Just to see, because I I will say all that hate that Whitaker gets, I don't think it's warranted. And I don't I like the death threats of people going crazy. That shit's never warranted. But there is a degree where I'm like. If you're a showrunner, and again, you've had two seasons and two movie-length things that haven't been great, and now not only is it's because it's not just a toxic fan base, it's kind of like the Snyder Cut thing, when you also have a legitimate fan base that's like, hey, I love Doctor Who, and I just, it's not working. <clears throat> and when uh, you have all those coming together, it's like, yeah, you gotta, some of that blame is on those shoulders. Yeah. And man, I hope they turn around. I don't know, the problem is with shows like that, showrunners are weird, because like, I fell up like, oh, who should it be? It's like, I don't know. Every time it's a successful showrunner, I've almost never heard of them before. Exactly. And if you, you could say the same thing about Stephen Moffat and Russell, Russell yeah. T. Davies. It's not like they were fucking household names when they took over Doctor Who. Yeah, I mean, so fucking, let's, uh, let's, just, let's just let the process work. I yeah. Mean, it, didn't, it didn't work this time, but that doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater no, and get rid of the process. No, because I, I do think that you're one good doctor away. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know who you cast now. Uh, honestly, um, now that we've had a woman, uh, I really feel like a black guy. Yeah. You could put, uh, Idris Elba's my pick for everything. I don't actually think he'd be a good doctor, but I would love to see him in the role. Oh, uh, there's definitely, there's gotta be some, I mean, uh, God, you can't really use, um, 
guy that played Finn in Star Wars anymore either, but I, I kind of something like that, you know, uh, a young and up and coming black uh, British actor, I think would be really badass. That's what's weird. That's what's weird too. Can I have whoever takes a new role? You got all this so much pressure on. Hey, now you got to you know try to win back people and your doctor. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like um, uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman. Yeah, you know, there's there, there's so much on that that's just um, you know, not only is it Batman, but you've got to be Batman after Batfleck, who had such a tumultuous time as the character um yeah. I, I say that because recently um on conan o'brien needs a friend michael keaton was on there and of course they talked a little bit about batman yeah and um for for all the um 1989 hate that michael keaton generated as batman uh it didn't affect you know keaton himself at all yeah. unlike unlike the people who've honestly had to follow him and live up to the keaton example live up to the kilmer example live up to the christopher nolan um christian bale yeah. example he he was like you know i talked to tim and we decided this how i was going to play the character and then i played the character and uh just because they talked a little bit about um val kilmer because the documentary yeah. val came out have you watched val no i haven't it's really good it's really sweet and um it's very he, he does a pretty good job of acknowledging some of his ego and some of his mistakes um and docu and documenting those but he does he talks he talks about how he he played batman and it was like i could never do that again i turned down the role for the second for you know my uh, a second outing he turned down batman and robin yeah. because he was just like it's it's such an isolating experience it's it's and um keaton was like yeah i feel bad for the guy but i know i didn't feel any of that because you know who was i supposed to compare myself to nobody wanted this to be the Adam West Batman. So mm -hmm. no, you know, nobody, nobody brought up Adam West in comparison to to my Batman. It was just he he made the decision and he went with the character. And it, you're you're kind of saying the same thing with Doctor Who. You know, Eccleston into Tenet, both were just like you know they had the the backstory of Doctor Who to go on, but they were still making their own characters. Smith, I think, had a lot of uh, a lot to live up to with Tenet, and then his his introduction was all about how fuck you, I'm doing it anyway. Well, is a great like, was a, is a yeah. great uh, athlete comparison as someone who like when he came in he was great but the stuff wasn't always great for him but then when he did get to be Batman in a Batman scene or when he did get to be Doctor Who in a Doctor Who episode mm. one of the best right and uh, that's yeah that's the only that's the saddest thing here where it's like man if uh, it kind uh, Whitaker's got. I don't even know who to compare it to now because a lot of things have come back in style. I was going to say a Boomerang Suicide Squad uh, original one performance where it's like <laughs> she's the greatest part of all the stuff, but it, but even then it's like, well, there were a lot of you know different elements and he got to come back and mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. That's the thing where they killed well, him I, just, I feel like Whitaker has been chewed up and spit out by yeah. the nerd community in a way that is completely unfair to her and probably more unfair to her than it has been to a lot of people in, a, in her similar position yeah. because of the un, the absolutely unnecessary vitriol based on her gender that 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 links in to the other stuff that isn't working about Doctor Who. Yeah. Well, that's also it's like you you've had this meteoric rise of Doctor Who cuz I don't think it's funny cuz you know now enough time has passed where Depending on how old you are and how old you were, like during when Doctor Who started getting really big, and you know, like 
20, I don't think 2010 to 2013. Mm-hmm. Like that peak, man, this is getting massive. Yeah. Uh, like around, uh, what was it, Day of the Doctor and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, like, it was, because before, when I was growing up, I had never fucking heard of Doctor Who. Like, up until age, like, 18, 19, I'd never heard of Doctor Who. And I started hearing about it, kind of, you kind of hear murmurings, you hear this, hear that. Well, and then I started working at Hastings, and we started selling stuff, and eventually, literally, the day of the doctor was the one, I was like, oh, whatever, I'll go to the, I'll go watch it, and then I, like, loved it, and then started watching the Matt Smith stuff, loved that, went back, watched some other things, and I, I, I hate that Whitaker is, like, the first of the decline of that, mm-hmm. where you don't really have that much anymore, and now you have people that are old enough to watch Doctor Who, and the current doctor has so much weird shit around it. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a weird stigma around Doctor Who for, at the moment. That's that that's, honestly so much of it's unnecessary. Yeah, because the sad part is Doctor Who for a long time was a fandom that I thought was like the like most chill and relaxed. Yeah, like you go to conventions and it's like okay, you gotta stay you know stay away from all the comic fans, stay away from some of the Star Wars fans. Uh, Star Trek's normally okay, but every now and then, whatever. Star Trek can get really homophobic in a way that is just heartbreaking. Yeah, it's, but, so it's weird, I hate that Doctor Who's in that fandom, but I think it's also just modern fandom, you can't name a fandom that doesn't have at least uh, online horrific elements to it. Oh, for sure, yeah. And uh, it's just sad, because again, Doctor Who's seen it for a long time with that last bastion, and again, I think it's that weird, perfect storm of you have legit criticism, and people don't know what to blame, and then because you had a diff- a change in gender, a change in actor, a change in setting, or whatever it be, that's where they that's where they heat seek. Yeah, and and I think they did a thing of when you have we've talked about taking when you have a long term plan, a lot of people want to stick to it. You want to say stick past the plan, but eventually, you know, a great writer, a great someone, a great artist, kind of someone who can adapt and overcome and you know can change the product and you know it work because i think doctor who has too long of a history and you know has too much not riding on it i don't want to say but has this current run like once they reached a season and a half and they like kind of started doubling down on things and then fans started feeling like then the fans started still feeling personally attacked and i think that's like you as a creator you should be able to recognize like hey uh, we have this planned but, you know, it hasn't been working for a while. Can we adapt this? Because I think a show that big, too, as much as I'm like, hey, make art that you want to make. It also, there's a weird degree of like, yeah, but make art that people want as well. That weird, right. like, calmer, <laughs> that weird calmer I think, song. I think that's a fair, yeah, that's a fair criticism, in all honesty. Because that, that's the one thing when you're working with the franchise, it's like, I hate all the this other stuff, but it's like, if you're going to make a... Well, it's, like, it's weird to like the new Ghostbusters film. I'm also like, I don't know exactly know 100% who this is for. Yeah, I'm going to be totally honest. I have absolutely zero interest in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, and I get like, you have, you know, you have uh, Ramus' son there. You have all these elements combined. But it's also like, yeah, that's not what, again, if that, you know, too many people from that cast have <clears throat> passed away, have moved on, have change careers whatever for you to get like the ghostbusters three that people wanted you can't make anymore exactly you just can't make it so there is a degree of like 
you can keep the franchise going and all, but it's been through so many scripts, through so many ideas, that like clearly the time had come and gone for like a proper sequel and idea, but then, because you never had it, I think that's where a lot of the weirdness is coming from the 2016 movie, and this movie, where they tried different things, people, mm-hmm. it's been so long since people had what they want from a Ghostbusters movie, that it gets, like, this reaction of, you know, horrendous either way, because, like, well, this is what this side wants, this is what this side wants. Yeah. And you get to that, that's where you get to that point, like, I know, like, Ackroyd wants to do it, and, but it's also like, uh, you should, I, that Bill Murray attitude of, like, First one is a classic. Second one has its fans and is better than some people say, but worse than it probably should have been. Mm-hmm. And do you need another one after that? When you already have the game, you have the move, you have all sorts of stuff like I said before. And honestly, the the people who really truly want another Ghostbusters like movie with those characters really should hunt down the comics because yeah. the IDW comic series did a, a very solid job. Oh yeah, I just think it's. It's weird because it's one of those things where I can't say it can never be done because I'm sure, like you said, with Candyman or the new Halloween, like there are clever ways where you can bring things back. But I think in both regards, the fact that I, it sounds weird, but it's like that none of the major original casts are major roles. Right. I think that is the first problem with like, I think if you're going to continue Ghostbusters, you probably had to do that. But at this point, Bill Murray barely wants to do anything with it. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd's kind of lost a lot of what he had. Yeah. Uh, cognitively wise, I should say. Yeah. Still a very interesting individual, but... Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. No, Dan, Dan Aykroyd fascinates me. Yeah, he's a, he's one of those dudes that he's a fascinating guy, has had so many incredible movies. For I mean, honestly, and he's one of the sad cases of if uh, if hit oh what is it called nothing but trouble nothing but trouble if if that movie had been marketed different if that movie had been changed different and he had like, like been able to if that movie had been treated like it was supposed to be originally yeah it, we may have a completely different career because I feel kind of robbed that you don't we never got to see another Ackroyd movie yeah fucking like one of the most creative movies. But it's also weird as fuck and almost unwatchable. I see, it's fair. I like it a lot. It's, to me, the history is always intriguing. Where I hold the the I can't remember the original name, but the original name is like so much more what the movie is. Oh, okay. But it's one of those ones where like everybody fucking loved working with Ackroyd. Apparently, it was very very fun to work with. It's an awesome thing, and it was supposed to be a much more like horror movie with subtle comedy. And as they kept going and they went over budget, the studio stepped in. And changed it more and more to be closer to stuff around that time. Like, if I remember right, I think I was around, like, Beetlejuice and things like that. Ah, uh, so they wanted more of a horror comedy. Yeah, they wanted it more to be in that realm. And so they, they lightened some of the more harsh things down. They increased this and they decreased the budget and did all, like, just did a bunch of stuff. But at the same time, it's still one of the weirdest, most bizarre movies uh, I will say, if anyone out there hasn't seen Nothing But Trouble, and you like weird shit, go fucking watch that movie. It is bizarre. <laughs> what is... Nah, man, that's gonna bug me. I can't remember the original name. Because the original name is, like, so much closer to, uh... What... What it was going to be. But, anyway, yeah. Uh, go around that. Because I think, uh... Let's see, this... Wow, why did you 
What is it? What's the, I know it was inspired by Hellraiser to some degree. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they, they went to Hellraiser and uh, him and one of his friends found it really funny, and so they wanted to make a horror comedy. Uh, uh, he originally compared the original script to Beetlejuice meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, at some point, it just got... I'm trying to remember the history. It's got a really interesting history. It's one of those weird ones that uh, has a ton, a ton of just weird, weird, weird history behind it. Like development hell, different movie trailers cut, different posters, and like they sold the movie as like this nice, fun comedy. And you go and you see something that honestly is closer to Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets Beetlejuice, right? Uh, but yeah. Anyway, I have now drifted way off. Yeah, it's okay. We it, it wouldn't be an episode of blah blah if one of us didn't uh, go down an incredibly weird rabbit hole. True. But uh, I think we're also about at that time. We, I think we've covered everything today. Yes, yeah, I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm thrilled we got through all the topics we wanted to cover. Um, happy to be here, happy to do this again. Sorry the episode's a couple of days late. It's uh, entirely my fault. Um, uh, we will have an episode this weekend. Like I said, it is yes. Fan Expo weekend. Come out and see D&D Studios table. We have all three issues of Space is Awful. We'll have all of our kids' books up. Um, we did not get our con-exclusive comic done in time. Uh, coloring takes a lot longer than you would think. But we should have those available soon. And uh, we, even though I will be at a con, we will release an episode. We are going to do a very special episode of Respawn. Uh, we talked about it a over the last couple of weeks, we've debated. We're going to head, go ahead and cover the first Violator miniseries by Alan Moore, Bart Sears, and some young up-and-comer taking over that third issue by the name of Greg Capullo. Yeah. it's. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, but yeah, so I'm really looking forward to talking about that. I am, too. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. I will say... Uh, Derek just mentioned it. If you're going to go to Fan Expo, hunt Derek out. Say hi to him. Uh, if you want to talk to us online or comment, where can they do that, Derek? All kinds of places. You can find us in our email, which is uh, blahblahpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash blahblahpodcast. We almost never check that, to be yeah. honest, but it is available to you. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram, where I am at blahblahpodcast and at blahblahpod, respectively. I am at the real Jason Way on pretty much every social media under the sun. And, uh, yeah, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts. If you have some thoughts about uh, the Jodie Whittaker Doctor Who, for instance, I yeah. would love to, to hear those. I would, too. Um, if, you have, if you like the new um, Marvel Unlimited uh, layout, please let me know why so yeah. that maybe I can figure out what's, uh, what's uh, working about it. Um, we love hearing comments, and uh, we love talking to you all, so please hit us up there. Uh, again, uh, feel free to listen to us this coming weekend for a new episode of Respawn. And, um, yeah, you guys are amazing, every single one of you. We love all of you. And uh, y'all have a wonderful night and a wonderful week. Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.